There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. All right, we are back here for week four. Sam, how's it going? It's going. <laughs> we, you're what? I'm ready. I'm ready too. Um, I think we're going to talk about a really sexy topic this week yeah. because we got some really great listener questions that I'm super excited to talk about. And uh, they're really important, but I also think this is going to be a really hard conversation. So <laughs> buckle up. So for anyone who is new to us, I'm Meg. I am a candidate for state Senate in Massachusetts, and I'm here with Sam, my fabulous campaign manager. And we like to actually answer listener questions because we think that's the best way for you to get the information that you are looking for. So we've got a great listener question for a couple, actually, for everyone today. But if you want to submit your questions, you can head to electedpodcast.com and right there on the homepage, you'll be able to send us a question and we will hopefully answer it on an upcoming episode. So our first question of the day is from a woman named Rosalind and Rosalind asks about the money. Oh, money, money, money. <laughs> so Rosalind says, is there a good budgeting resource as to how much is necessary to get a campaign off the ground? Okay. So I love this question because as someone who has a background in finance, this is my thing. So I have a couple of initial thoughts, Rosalind, for where you can go. I think the very first would be to look up the campaign finance reports for whatever race you want to run for, pull them up from your state or from federal, whatever, or, you know, or local, whatever, whatever level it is. And yeah, I probably pull a few different candidates and maybe a few different uh, election cycles just to get a sense for what people raised, what they spent, um, what kinds of things they were spending money on. And I think you can use that as a guide. We've definitely done that uh, in our own race. And I, I, as I've been helping other candidates, that's one of the first things I tell them to do. Um, but I think the other thing would be to reach out to, so whether you're a Democrat or Republican, reach out to your um, party. Again, whether it's the state level, the national level, depending on the race you're running for. And oftentimes they'll have people who can help you. But I think the most important thing is really to just look at what past races have done. And I think that's a pretty good guide and then you can use that moving forward. But Sam, do you have any thoughts yeah, on I that? Yeah, I just think like doing your research mm. it definitely is a good guide, especially if you're if you're really interested in in running and building your initial budgets when you get there. Um, I think using those is a great map of yeah. um, how much you're going to spend and how much you can spend on each thing. And you can see, especially in like. In Massachusetts, we can see um, 
times, like months and days when they spent, how much they raised in these months. And it definitely is um, an important resource when you first decide to run. No, I think that, I think that's absolutely right. The other thing I would say too, and this is not something I knew until I ran, but a good friend of mine who's in politics uh, told me to do this, which is actually to make three budgets, a low, a medium, and a high. And that way you're kind of prepared for all three possible fundraising scenarios. Because really what you can spend is entirely dependent on what you can raise. And I think to that point too, definitely do your research, but also take it with a bit of a grain of salt. Um, One, because you might have a candidate who is able and willing to put in a ton of their own money. And maybe that meant that they spent money on stuff they didn't really need. Or you might have... Uh, you know, races where people weren't able to put in as much or weren't able to fundraise as much, and maybe they didn't spend as much as they needed to or should have. So I would use it as a guide, but ultimately, I still think you need to kind of think about your own race and what the challenges with your own race are going to be. And if there are other efforts, um, you know, so for example, I'm running in an election where you know, I'll be on the ballot with the presidential candidate in November of 2020. So for me, get out the vote isn't as big of an issue as if, you know, as Mm -hmm. if it would be if I were running in a local election where 5% of the town turns up to vote. So, I mean, it's thinking about the particular dynamics of your race and the time that you're running. Yeah. And I think too, when you're looking at, um, kind of who you're going to go up against and your opponents and things like that, taking into account how much money they have is also um, a good tool um, if they have a a so-called war chest or not. Yeah. And I think to that point too, Sam, also looking at or sitting down and mapping out what you can raise. Mm -hmm. And and I know that's really hard, especially if you're a first-time candidate and you don't necessarily have a huge circle of wealthy friends, um, which you don't need to have to run. So definitely don't let that scare you away. But you know, sitting down and listing out every single person you can think of that is in your network and just starting to take a guess at what they might be able to give, but also looking at organizations that can help you. So if you're big on climate change, you know, are there environmental organizations that you think will support you? Because remember, if you get endorsements, a lot of times those endorsements come with money. So um, I think you've got to think about the full range of fundraising uh, sources Mm -hmm. beyond just your list. Yeah, and I think um, when it comes to, we've heard this countless times over the last few weeks, go through your personal network and kind of contact everyone and it's very yeah. painful, but <laughs> you just kind of have to do it. So we're going to, I think we're, we'll talk about call time on a later episode mm-hmm. when we're a little bit more experienced and <laughs> we yeah. can talk about it. Okay, cool. So we've got another money question actually, and this one is from uh, Cassandra. Cassandra, Cassandra, I don't know if I'm saying that right. And so she says, how do you pay the bills while you campaign? And what happens if you don't win? Can you keep your job or not? You know, but I think I think this is a risk many people won't take. And I think it's holding women back. Okay, so I think the first question, how to pay the bills oh, while you campaign. So this is hard. And for me, I'm not independently wealthy. I'm not in a, I don't have a ton of savings to where I could take a year off from work to be able to do this. And so for me, it really was a question of, can I, can I continue to run my business? So I, you know, I work from home. Can I continue to run my business while I campaign and bring in enough to cover the bills? And candidly, like, I think I can, but you know, it's not a walk in the park Mm -hmm. every day. Um, There are definitely moments where I'm like, I don't know, this is, you know, 
I'm not able to do as much, um, uh, you know, networking to bring in new clients as I could before. So I, I think it is really tough. Like, I just want to be really candid about that. That said, I think it's so important that people, especially women who, um, who are in the workforce run because we need those diverse perspectives. We need people who understand the stress of, of living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. We need people who understand commuting when there's a broken transportation system. We need people who are in the game. And so I think, you know, if, if you're in that situation where you do need to keep working, it, it really is about sitting down as early as possible and crafting a plan. And, you know, sometimes that can be getting a side job, if you are going to step away from your regular job, sometimes it will mean keeping your regular job up until the very end. I know a lot of people who have used vacation time um, or even gone and asked their workplaces, like, can I take, you know, maybe it'll be unpaid for a little bit, but they've asked if they can make it work, um, you know, and then try to work as long as possible. So I think, I think there are options. I think it's just about making a plan. And the other thing I will say to this point is I think it's also about being really strict and strategic with your schedule. So like right now, and this is fairly new for us, so we'll see exactly how this works. But right now, every Tuesday and Thursday during the day is 100% campaign time for me. And then Monday, Wednesday, Friday is is work time. And then weekends and most evenings are campaign time uh, or family time. And so for me, I had to do that because the first few weeks – I would bounce from a client call to doing something on the campaign. And it just, it was so hectic. And I felt like I wasn't doing my job well. I wasn't doing the campaign well. And I just was very scattered. And so for me, sitting down and crafting that schedule has really helped. Um, but I have that flexibility because I work for myself. So that, you know, when I did my plan, that was part of my plan. So I think it's just figuring out your own plan. Yeah. And I think the things that I hated about, the process so far is that every single meeting we go in mm. people ask you are, are you campaigning full-time and are you quitting your job and I it hate this me, question and I get so frustrated yeah I get so mad and then they bring up the fact that they're like well you should be doing this full-time nope but that's just not a realistic it's <laughs> not, not a realistic thing and I think for people for working families mm-hmm. um we had there was a, a consultant that we were chatting with that was talking about um a candidate who he had a a full-time job and he was the this consultant was saying that it just wasn't working because he wasn't able to do it on he had a nine-to-five job he couldn't he could only do it on the weekends and I think that's just so frustrating because the majority 90 percent of like America can't do that they right. can't just drop everything and say, hey, I'm going to run for this. Like it's some hobby. Yeah. It is a full-time job. No. And I mean, it is, but I also think, um, I also think too, there are, now I know we're pretty new in the political scene, so I'm sure I'll get pushback for saying this, but I think that so many people who are so entrenched in it and have been in it for so long are very much of this mindset that there's no way to do this unless you are 100% full-time. And I I think we've seen examples where that's not true. I mean, if you think on the national level, I mean, AOC continued to work her Mm -hmm. job while campaigning. So, and there are plenty of examples, um, you know, at at many other levels and many other places. So is it harder? Yes. Does it take more organization and more 
planning 100 percent are there going to be things that you will miss that other candidates will not yes but is it impossible no and i think we need to stop making women feel bad for saying no i'm not campaigning full time Mm -hmm. i'm working my job because i need to take care of my family and and i mean i can't tell you how many people you've sat there, as you pointed out, for many of these meetings where they ask me this question and I feel like I have to defend myself. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have to defend the fact that I decided to run but can't afford to quit my job. And it becomes especially infuriating when they talk about your opponent and what your opponent is able to do. And I'm like, yes, because he's currently on the state's dime (laughs) doing all of this. (laughs) That's not an option that I have. You know, he doesn't have to worry about another job while he, you know, while he's also doing this. So I think we have to, you know, stop perpetuating this message that you cannot do this unless you, you don't work, um, you know, or, or have, you know, tons of savings or whatever it may be. You, you can, you've just got to figure out a plan. And I think you've got to really get clear on who your support system is. You know, I'm very lucky that my parents live nearby and are very supportive, taking care of, my son. And, um, you know, I've got a great group of friends who are ready and able to help out. And so, you know, you've got to just figure out how to set this up so that it works. But I also, to that point, I mean, I'm a problem solver. That's just who I am. So for me, I get so frustrated when people are like, you can't, you know, you can't win unless you do blank. I'm like, well, no, we can. We just have to figure out how, and we've got to do it a different way. So it's getting creative about how you're getting in front of voters. Mm -hmm. It's getting creative about how to take these meetings or or whatnot. It's getting creative about how to do call time or fundraising. If you can't do it, you know, for as much as people say you need to or in the traditional sense. And then I think it's also looking at your life and saying, where can I make small adjustments that um, will, you know, will buy me back time? Do you have friends who maybe aren't political and don't want to hold signs or door knock, but they'll make you meals, mm-hmm. you know, or watch your kid or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so I think it's it's a combination of all of those things. Yeah, I think the it's a good point is like support system and stuff. It's the small things that you really don't think about, or it's like the time that you don't have to do like these small little things that you never really like valued before. Right. Um, like your time by yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think kind of marking out time to do those things especially for yourself like you kind of have to um and it's kind of telling the telling people no like I have to do this while I'm like stand your ground because um I feel like they'll they'll understand yeah you've got to get really strict with your time so I think another part of the question was okay what do you do if you don't win and um you know, I'm in kind of a unique situation because for we me, <laughs> well, we haven't lost <laughs> and we don't intend to, um, we haven't lost, but, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not quitting my job again. I own my own business. So even if I, even if my business kind of ramps down, um, I'll have it when I, you know, to come back to if I do lose. But I think that, I think, again, I think it, it goes back to this planning thing. It's thinking about if you are going to quit your job, which I mean, I don't necessarily recommend. Like, I get that a lot of people would say, oh, yeah, quit your job so you can do this full time. I don't know. I think you get creative and you figure out a plan, you know, unless your job is something you you don't want to be in anyway. Um, But I think it is tough. I will say, I think once you've done this, the like, one, you will have met a ton of people 
So I think you'll find that your network has expanded significantly <laughs> um, and you'll have supporters you never knew you had or you didn't have before. And so I think if you are in the position where you are jobless afterwards, um, you know, I suspect it'll be easier to go back. That, But that said, that's not the case for everybody. I mean, I know a woman who is looking for a job right now, you know, lost her race and um, I don't think she quit her job. I think she actually, I think she got laid off, unfortunately. I could be wrong about that. But, um, and so she's looking for a job, you know, and she's been looking for a bit. So it's not always easy. But again, I think it's having a plan and utilizing the new network that you've built. Yeah. And I think reaching out to people, like for me, like this is my job. So it, it kind yeah. of like See, is like, this, so. <laughs> so for this, I'm like, room, not struggling. <laughs> I'm like, well, it must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but honey, you lose your job if I lose. That's true. So <laughs> she's, she's got skin in the game, as we'd say. Yeah, I think though it's it's interesting. Well, I mean, I haven't lost my job yet, so <laughs> and you're not going to. Jerry's out. To win. <laughs> that's true. So I have no plan right now. If that's the point, but you're also young and unencumbered. Uh, yet <laughs> we're still early. Ooh, are you hoping to find love on the trail, Sam? No. Pass. <laughs> That's a whole different episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching that West Wing episode. Do you know, like, near the end? Do you, did you ever watch West I'm Wing? I'm on season four. Oh, okay, never mind. I'm shutting up. I'm shutting up. <laughs> well, let's just say there's there's romance on the trail and a question of how to balance it all. There's so much of that. I know. I know, but like serious. So okay. anyway. Um, okay. So we had another question that actually relates to money, which is childcare. And I think this one is especially near and dear to my heart as a mom, mm-hmm. mom of a three-year-old. So I cannot leave him at home uh, if I have somewhere to be. And, you know, he, so in my case, he goes to daycare during the week, during the day, which is great. But a lot of these events tend to be at night. Um, you know, or tend to be on the weekend. And, you know, I am married. I do have an incredibly supportive spouse. So I'm lucky in that sense that I have someone on the weekends. If I have to be somewhere that, you know, between my parents or my husband, Jack, usually is we've got a plan for him. But weeknights are tough. I mean, my husband works and he's not typically home, uh, you know, by six to where I can run to an event. So I think childcare really is a big issue. There are um, a lot of places around the country that are having a conversation about allowing childcare as a campaign expense if you're using it to go to a campaign event or do campaign work. Mm-hmm. Um, Massachusetts, for example, um, you know, there was a bill in the House actually sponsored by um, our state rep in our district, which is great, a, a woman who put this forward to allow you to use campaign contributions to cover childcare. Um, it hasn't passed yet. <laughs> we would like it to pass very soon, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think it's great that it's at least being talked about. Um, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think at the federal level, did you they can not use pass it? it? Yeah. yeah. So you can use campaign funds on the federal level to um, to pay for, for caretakers. Yeah. So we really need to get that implemented at the state and local level. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, if it's not allowed in your particular race, I think this is one, a great topic to talk about on the trail. And if, if you're whatever race you're running for, if you, if you will have the ability to actually 
affect that change in your role, I would absolutely be talking about this uh, because this is, I think, one of the number one things that holds women back. I mean, I would say the three things that hold women back from running are childcare, just money in general. We just talked about not being able to step away from their jobs and probably not believing that they're qualified mm-hmm. enough. Um, so if you're if you're in a position to talk about it, definitely talk about it. But even if you're not, I mean, calling your elected officials and pushing them to put a bill on this so that it you know it can be allowed, I think is really important. Yeah, and I think I again my perspective on this one is not great. <laughs> um, is not great, but I think well because you have no children. I don't but have you, children, but you understand. You you still oh, understand. Yeah. yeah, I totally get it, and I think especially for for people who don't have um, a spouse to take care of the kids or family or can't pay a babysitter. It's extremely important, especially if you want to make yeah. change. And let's say you want to spearhead a movement like this, you have to be able to get access to those resources. Yeah, 100%. And you know, the other thing I want to mention too, because I, I just feel like we're doing this conversation a disservice if we don't talk about it, is that we're not just talking about taking care of children. You know, as as people get older and more people are aging at home, we're also talking about, uh, you know, caring for elderly relatives, parents, grandparents, whatever it may be, or perhaps caring for, um, you know, other relatives who need some kind of extra assistance. And so I think it's also really important that when we're having these conversations and pushing bills through and uh, you know, pushing our representatives to act on this, that we're not just asking them to do this for parents with young kids, but we're asking mm-hmm. them uh, to do this for people who have any sort of caregiver role that campaigning, you know, will interfere with. Yeah, exactly. And I think so much of that gets um, misconstrued in when when you're debating these bills and things like that, where a lot of those people get left out of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's a, that's a whole nother episode too. (laughs) Making sure you have the right or not the right, but all of the stakeholders at the table, I think is really important, but no, I think that's, that's a really great point. So, okay. So to wrap it up on money, I mean, I think money really is this big, scary thing and, and I, there's no easy answer. And, you know, hopefully we've given some comfort to people listening, but I think that ultimately this is one of those things that is just hard and, you do have to make it work. But I would look to examples of women around the country at all levels who are doing this and figuring it out. You know, I mean, I love the example of like Stacey Abrams. I mean, Mm -hmm. she has how much, like $200,000 in student loan debt, I think something like that. So she wasn't, I mean, she's, you know, she was in a slightly better position, entrepreneur and, and, you know, had, had done pretty well for herself. But there are examples of women all over that, uh, you know, who are making this work. And, um, I don't think you have to look very far to find them. I think it's just, you know, we don't talk about this stuff enough. <laughs> Another thing we don't talk about enough. So um, I think it's just crafting a plan and, uh, you know, figuring out how you can get creative about some of this stuff. Yeah, and it definitely takes – we definitely need people to to kind of step up and utilize their voices and their perspectives on – ideas like this. Yes. The more women that are in there, the more, and not just women, but the more people who are in there who understand the challenges of working and, you know, supporting a family and, and all of that, the the more well-represented we will be and the more 
bills and protections we will see to make this easier. Mm -hmm. So I love it. All right. Well, I think that is a good place to wrap it up. So Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. We'll be back here next week. And in the meantime, if you want to check us out or send us a question, head to electedpodcast.com. Otherwise, subscribe to us and leave us a review. And until then, keep running. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Elected, the podcast. There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.